John DeSauer. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is Ellen K Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, welcome in to Tuesday morning, August 16, 2022. It is 609. It is whoo, 62 degrees out there. Nice. You might want to grab a little. I don't know if you got a pumpkin spice Keurig handy when you leave the house, but I don't think there's any reason to save it anymore. Uh, if you if you have been, pop it in there, hit go, get the get the Yeti under there, or the knockoff Yeti if it's my house. And uh Push brew and then let your day roll. Pumpkin Let's spice. Go. We're already thinking that the sleigh bells are ringing. Just, just fuel up and see where it takes you. Is what I do. Cool outside. Mm, yeah, and we're not. Uh, by the way, it did not get below sixty as you had been pontificating oh, yesterday. It, it did not. Okay, well, uh, but it's going to before midnight. Is what you're telling me? Uh, probably not. Oh, okay, well, so neither of us are right. Okay, um, but it is also isn't going to get above seventy five today. Probably. Which is very nice, very nice. Mostly cloudy skies. Then I continue to ask the question: Are we uh, uh, are we done with the nineties? Are we? Is that it? With your super anti Husker rhetoric? Are we done? With are the nineties done? Is, people? It, is this is? I mean, listen. Maybe this is a maybe this is a sign, some sort of divine providence, because the forecast now goes out until thursday the 25th on my screen which is the day of our break the curse program Mm -hmm. and there is not a there's not a day in there right now that's forecast to be above 90 maybe we literally bring back the 90s on that thursday night (laughs) do you think of that it's possible it's possible it happens that way uh good morning welcome in glad everybody uh is joining us everybody's here listening today best of luck for so the people going to their first day of school today, the families dealing with uh, with that routine, second day of school for some of you, first day of school for some of you, um, then maybe you're still waiting for, for some others of you who are listening, but a big chunk of middle schoolers and high schoolers are having their first day of school today in the capital city. Uh, as I referenced several times yesterday, I'll reference it again today. Today is the day where you're going to start to see what those morning traffic patterns are really like for you now. Today is going to see to really show you exactly how much your morning commute is going to be changed for the next eight nine months. So just a heads up, just a heads up on that. I'm and I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you. A couple of very specific intersections. I'm guessing. Now I haven't really experienced it during the morning on a weekday, but I'm guessing uh, 14th and Pine Lake is one of these areas where it's like, hello, uh, big change. Big change out there. I'll tell you, 84th and 70th and A, big ones. Big ones where things are a little bit different right now. Uh, probably uh, down there south. I'm going to guess southeast there at a 40th and 40th and South Street. I mean, that's all, those aren't even two-lane streets there uh, or four-lane streets there. I'm going to guess that's a little bit different this morning. Um, and so I'm uh, not leaving anybody out. And then, you know, we're going get to go, get going at Northwest, too. So busy, uh, busy morning for a lot of families. Right now, a busy show on LNK today with Jack and Friends joining us today. It's a Tuesday, meaning Joe Jordan is going to join us. News Channel Nebraska will talk about what's going on in Nebraska news and politics. Uh, 810 this morning, we are going to be joined by Jason Ball, Lincoln Chamber of Commerce. I'm going fi- I'm, I'm to find out more from him, guys, on this multimodal transportation hub. 
I also have the mayor on on Wednesday. I am going, since I tried to pick Mark's brain to explain exactly what this thing is and what it's going to look like, and I'm not saying he you didn't do a just fine job. It's a transportation it, it, hub. What, what don't you understand? I, I want to hear a little bit more uh, practically uh, what this is. You exactly. hate anybody who is not a I don't car hate, I don't in hate a street. Anyone. Yeah, I don't you, hate anyone. You, you hate any action that is not a vehicle in a road, so you don't understand what's happening with a transportation hub. I just listen. I just want to understand better how it might benefit not only the city but you know myself and my transportation. It's a hub of endeavors. transportation. It's clearer than I've, Wallet Hub. I don't, it's true. There's a lot. <laughs> a lot that's clearer than that. So we'll talk to him about that. And then we got John Baylor. He is the voice of the number one team in the nation, number Nebraska one. volleyball. Oh, I can't wait for Nebraska volleyball just to start obliterating. People. Nebraska volleyball is one. Just. And one and a half because Texas is number two, and they just have they're only up there because of right. Nebraska. They, they players. got you know they got a chunk of Nebraska yeah. players. So yeah, that's how uh, that works. That, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, that was the coaches' poll, right? Yes. That went, so is there still an AVCA poll that's yet to come out? I'm assuming as well, like the equivalent of the AP poll. I'm going to ask you what AVCA stands. for. American Volleyball Coaches Association. That's the one that came oh. out. <laughs> I was thinking that was a media organization, but as soon as you asked me what the initials meant, I realized I was incorrect. Glad we could talk through American that. Volleyball Coaches Association. Current Media Association? Maybe. I don't know. There's no way of knowing. Um, <laughs> don't Google it. There's no, there's no there's no way of knowing what those mean. Okay, well, okay. Same question though. Is there like a media poll, or is that the only poll? You go by ABCA. Oh, okay. That's in it. most yeah. sports, you don't do that. So, all right. Volleyball is different, I guess. Uh, red white uh, game, as you mentioned, Mark uh, is coming up Saturday, Friday night. You got the marching band exhibition, uh, and then by next week, we're going to be in volleyball and football season uh, as Nebraska volleyball and their number one team is going to get a shot to take on uh, Texas A and M Corpus Christi. Who, and I can do this with volleyball. I'm not going to do this with football. I'm going to do this with volleyball and, you know, uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi, I'm sure it's a great program, probably a really nice place to go to the beach. Uh, they, we may have a, we're going to get a single digit. We're going to get a single, single digit set in that one, Caleb. Calling it right now. In the very first one? The very first match, single digit set. Okay. Meaning Nebraska holds Texas A&M Corpus Christi to single digits in at least one of those sets. That's my request as a fan to the ladies. Okay. So that's, uh, do it for me. Do it for me. Pretend. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the weird mean green I don't, commercial. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Bring him I don't have like a story of like mean a childhood green. illness or anything that I would like. like hit a home run for me, pa. That kind of thing. But um, it's the same sentiment, really, is what I'd like to do. So that'd be nice if they could do that for uh, for me and the rest of the fans. Um, all right, Mark. What other do we have? So first day of school. Uh, news about Nebraska volleyball. That's scheduled for today. What else do we need to tell the listeners about to get them ready for their Tuesday? Well, morning? there were shots fired over twenty uh, seventh and T last night. House oh, hit three times. That's uh, the exact same area where those four people were shot last month. Oh, really? Yeah. So uh, okay, uh, still uh, some situations in that part of town. Okay. Uh, let's see what else is there. Uh, oh, the. Um, Nebraska State Patrol stopped a semi out on I-80 about Waverly uh, last week. Uh, they'd gotten a tip 12 minutes before uh, troopers saw the semi, and it was a stolen tractor trailer or a stolen trailer full of Amazon products. Oh, really? Yeah, out of a, Maryland. A stolen Amazon products. Yep. So, 
huh. two uh, two women are lodged in the Lancaster County Jail uh, for that little thing. Well, this that sounds like a modern day heist movie. Yeah, it does. <laughs> like Thelma kind of. and Louise meets uh, meets Smokey and the Bandit <laughs> meets uh, yep. the the future of yep. e retail essentially. That's right. But they had some, you know what? I bet they had some good Bluetooth speakers and some good I Bluetooth sent you, headphones. I, I know I responded. I, yes, I know you did. I uh, sent you a, a link to a, a really neat Bluetooth speaker. I love it. It's got a it's got a security camera on it. Oh. Built into it. Yeah. Uh, my, my wife would thrilled, be thrilled to see that show up at our house. <laughs> hey, not only is it a Bluetooth speaker, it's a camera. Why would you get that? <laughs> it's we, a have, we are camera. literally bathing in YouTube or in uh, in Bluetooth speakers in this home. Why? What scenario do you need? You also have a literal security company that you've endorsed for several years. Uh, the other just in case. <laughs> Listen, you can't be too safe. What? What happened at Mar-a-Lago? Who knows? Right? That's right. I need these cameras everywhere because if they can do it to a. Former yes. president, they can do it to right. you. I don't want. My, you, I don't want to wake up have my passports missing. If you had like the same back, conditions the of okay. yeah, all of those, yeah, or my and by the, my, by the way, documents. They uh, refused. Uh, the FBI wanted them to turn the security cameras off while they were doing their uh, search. Uh, the Trump organization refused. So we could actually, at some point, if that's well, video, Trump, they should have them release yep. them. Yep. Wait, is this going to show up on Ring Nation? The new show, the new America's Fun. Hey, look at this wacky one. Yes, please put the Benny Hill theme song with the FBI. I'm glad you knew what that was just from a few notes. You're welcome. And and I will also tell you that uh, on my little foray into Omaha over the weekend, I bought myself a new book and I'm studying up on it. What's that? It is the essential oh, compendium geez. of dad jokes. Okay, listen, you are. Didn't you write that? Why do you need to? I was going to say, you, you should be writing research. books, not reading books. Well, I've, at this I've, point. Got, a, I've got a few I could have. Well, is there this. anything new? Is there any new material in there? Well, yeah, there is. Okay, so, uh, I know, didn't know. You know, I was I was going to tell you a time travel joke, but you didn't get it. Oh, is that itself a joke? I was going to tell you a time travel joke, but you didn't get it. Okay. Is yep. this is am I in a joke right now? What's happening? Yeah, that's yeah, because it was uh, time. It was time traveling. You didn't get it. It's past so tense now. I'm not going to tell it. Okay, I don't like dad jokes. You should not have to think that much about. I would say, um, it's a higher level of thinking. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, Game and Parks went out and chemically bombed wagon train yesterday. Yeah. I thought they did that last week. Uh, oh, was it la- yeah. Wednesday? Last, oh, Wednesday. last week, Wednesday morning. Yeah. That was actually done. Now. Okay, we yeah. had talked and about that. And you would not want to be downwind. Yep. So sorry for those of you who are hoping to f- get your daily load of carp and bring it home for dinner. Yeah. It's, uh, it's out now. Some people do it. Some people will do that. No doubt about it. Uh, all right. So that's what's going on here this morning. Uh, as uh, we talked about the volleyball ratings already, uh, we got Husker alternate uniforms for Nebraska football. Yeah, we do. And wildly different from the ones that you're used to. You're not going to recognize this team when you walk into whatever game they're wearing those. Boy, do Boy, Husker is... fans just love to hate on uh, any time a jersey okay. comes out. So they're, they're, if you didn't see it, they're wearing 1980. They're honoring the 1983 team. 
Which is cool. which, which, by the way, are they? Why are they doing it thirty nine years after it instead of forty years after it? Which is kind of odd to me. But there you go, Husker fans like, finding li- every little thing to complain but about. Here's the thing: there, there are li- there are little things that are different, but it's not. I mean, it's it's not like like if you would, there are people who will show up the game and have no idea that they're actually wearing right. throwback uniforms. There were a lot of people on social media that genuinely said, "Didn't they just wear these last year?" Yeah, the, the, because they don't see that the differences on where whether it's an N or a number on the shoulder, right? Whether you they have wear them, them so tight now, you know? Yeah, they they wear them so much tighter. Where uh, what you have with these throwback alternates are within the white numbers. It's got kind of a mesh look. They did with the '97 ones a few years ago, yeah. which was kind of. Listen, I don't. It's not like I hate you got the the it, piping is back on the pants, right? Which but, should be they should honestly just the wear stripes. these jerseys the whole time. But here's the thing: they've been flirting with the stripes on or, the stripes didn't come off until 1995. Then they came off that year, and they've been on and off since mm-hmm. 1995. And so I associate that with more of the back and forth with that era. But you know, again, they're they're. I don't know that it's something that there are a lot of people who are going to go out and. Because part of the reason you do this is to sell jerseys, right? They'll to, sell to jerseys. The fans. Really? They'll sell. Do they look different these. enough to do these? They'll, they'll sell plenty. Here, of these. But one of the things, one of the cool things about being a team that has really kept your brand for the most part stable, the Nebraskas, the Notre Dames, the Penn States, the Alabamas, the UCLA's of the world, where it looks the same as. Uh, the throwback throwback uniforms are kind of the same thing, which is a good thing. Yeah, which is it's, good, it's just subtle. Which is a good thing. It's, it's subtle differences here and there, but it's the same people that were complaining about. Okay, you've gone to black and chrome and all of these other things. Going okay, you're too far away from Nebraska, and now it's you're too close to what Nebraska normally looks like. I don't think the same people like. are complaining. It is. It's no, I don't. Like, I think this, it's the different people no, because it's people I'm, that want to just complain to no, complain. I don't know if that's true. Like, because I'll tell you what, when they went, the ones, you know, one of the best uh, moments in the Mike Riley era is where they wore those all-white ones against Northwestern. Those were sweet. Those, those were. were great. Those are maybe the best alternate, alternates they Absolute ever had. pain to see the numbers, but yeah, they I, looked awesome. I liked when they played, was it uh, in the, was it the uh, pandemic season 2020, and they wore the black the black uh, shirts they lost the game. That's my like, home screen on my the, computer. The, my I liked office. those a lot. So I don't, uh, don't be putting this generalization on me. Okay, don't be putting that on me. You can <laughs> stereotype people who are critiques of uniforms all you want, but I don't want any part of that. Um, yeah, uh, so that was the big news in Nebraska football world yesterday. For well, the most and, part. They had the day off, and and they got a uh, got a vote, got a vote in the uh, AP AP Associated Press. Correct. Yes. Um, <laughs> They were uh, they they got a vote. It was from Brett McMurphy, who was one of the leading uh, right. college football writers in the nation. He had uh, Nebraska at twenty five for whatever reason. So, and there's some Nebraska fans who are mad about it. I'm like, oh, I don't want to be in there till we've earned it. Okay, just calm down. Well, that, that there's there's a group of people that say that about the jerseys too. They're like, well, to make make them earn them before they have the jerseys. Why are they wasting okay, time coming not, up with jerseys? Uh, like, um, like the coaching people. staff and team went and had a meeting yeah, Scott, to design I'm sure teams. Scott Frost was just demanding 1983 jerseys. They opened up NCAA 14, and they went, all right, jersey editor, go. <laughs> oh, we need some games, Caleb. <laughs> I mean, but, and think about this. We're playing a week earlier than we normally do. Can you imagine if it was still two and a half weeks instead of one and a half week until we finally got this thing fired up? Oh, oh. 
Oh, on Brickstein Recognition Talking Text Line, Gary says, a novel idea, no throwback uniforms, instead just win games. It's not the same people that are trying to win games that are coming up with ways to sell merchandise. I mean, yeah, I know they're trying to sell stuff. I just, if you want to sell it, like, I don't know, just make it people look more will, different. People are going to buy I don't. This. I don't agree. I actually am going to disagree with you on that one. Not enough people to make it worthwhile. Disagree. Okay. Hard to disagree. You're wrong. Oh, you like that? Fine. All right. Can we get those numbers? Can you subpoena those numbers when they come out so we can get a good good read on exactly what the financials were on that? It'll be the lowest. I would, but I left that subpoena. In it will be the lowest selling alternate slash throwback jersey that they've ever done. You like that? Try that on for size. I'm gonna hundred percent be you, wrong you on like, that. You want? You like something bold? Oh. How about that? You guys fired up for primary day in Alaska? That's all I've been thinking about. And Wyoming. And Wyoming. Yeah, the, yeah that same one's, place. The Wyoming one's not very interesting right now. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like Liz very much there anymore. No, she's like 40, 40 points behind. Woo. But there's a faction that... Uh, don't that, call it a comeback. Well, actually, the, there's some people saying she might win because the Democrats are going to vote for her. Uh, well, Democrats already did all the stupid stuff where they supported the most, the craziest candidates they could find in some of these states and yep. gave them money, which was, oh, yeah, oh, so dumb. By the uh, way, 45 years ago today, yeah. it's the only time I heard uh, an AP teletype with a 10-bell ring. Really? It was their highest alert. Why was that? Elvis Presley? Yep. Yep. 45 years ago today. I know that because I was nine days old and I remember wow. it very well. By the way, what do you call a snake that's 3.14 meters long? Python? Yep. Ooh. Yeah, let's go! 626 on KLIN. Waking up the capital city with the help of Nitro Cold Brew Coffee from Broken Rail Beverage Company. This is 1499.3 KLIN. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln, and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the sound off on LNK today. But first, heads up, we had a couple of questions. Uh, the season finale of Request Line Friday is coming up this Friday. Shed a tear. But we're uh, we're heading off into the off season for Request Line Friday with a bang. We are going to do just to get everybody ready, get their playlist going. For football and you know, volleyball season too, Husker Husker sports season, uh, the songs that get you in that game time mood. So I know it's not game day weekend, but I think it's good to start to focus. So just your your pregame sort of uh, you, the pregame atmospheric song that you need, whatever that means to you. So get those requests in right now. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun show. I don't know if we're going to hit as many requests as we did with that dang earworm <laughs> show that we did last <laughs> week. How far is heaven? Dang it. Why would you do that? Uh, <laughs> all right. Sound off. Time. A lot of pressure on the FBI to release the sealed affidavit that justified, in their opinion, and was at least enough for a judge to justify it, a search warrant on Mar-a-Lago. A lot of people coming out of the woodwork and saying, hey, we need, including the governor of Nebraska, 
who's saying that they ought to release this thing. But the FBI is saying, no, we're not uh, we're not going to do that. The Justice Department is refusing to release the affidavit that greenlit the FBI's unannounced search of former President Trump's Mar-a-Lago home. Now, prosecutors say releasing the document would taint the government's ongoing criminal investigation. Filing a motion to keep the affidavit sealed, the DOJ says, quote, if disclosed, the affidavit would serve as a roadmap to the government's ongoing investigation, providing specific details about its direction and likely course in a manner that is highly likely to compromise future investigative steps. But the former president is calling the department's bluff with this statement on Truth Social overnight, saying, quote, in the interest of transparency, I call for the immediate release of the completely unredacted affidavit pertaining to this horrible and shocking break-in. Okay, uh, but it's... Uh, they're they're not. I mean, first of all, they they're not at liberty to just release it. Uh, that would have to be done via a motion to the court, and that rarely would happen in in these kinds of circumstances. Incredibly rarely. Um, nonetheless, uh, the president is former president is um, demanding that as as are many other people. A little bit more on that from Kevin Cork. The former president wants the complete and unredacted affidavit to be released. That affidavit, of course, was used to justify the unannounced raid of Mar-a-Lago. The president addressing this on social media, uh, Truth Social to be exact, he said, in the interest of transparency, I call for the immediate release of the completely unredacted affidavit returning to this horrible and shocking break-in. This is all happening as congressional Republicans are warning the White House and the DOJ, for that matter, to maintain all records and documents related to the unprecedented raid, says Ohio's Jim Jordan on Twitter. Preserve your documents. Okay, is everyone... I, 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 I'm like... I. You don't... If you want it, make a motion to get it unsealed. Uh, right, that's how we. Uh, that's how we do that. I don't know what the chance. I mean, the FBI is obviously going to oppose it, but what is the deal with all these people just acting like the FBI could or should unilaterally put out this affidavit that is sealed by the court? Well, all, all these there, there are smart people who are saying these things. Mm-hmm. I would think that they know, and and I'm not even saying. Look, this is not. Who knows? Maybe it comes out. And it looks like the FBI was totally corrupt in this whole thing. Could happen. Um, maybe it comes out and you figure out a lot about what they're doing in terms of their investigation. There's all kinds of things. It's interesting to me, too. I'm really curious what's in there as well. But, like, this sustained talking point or whatever it is that, well, this has to be released. How, how exactly would did they have the, that play out exactly? <laughs> on the FBI's Twitter account they just posted? Is that what they want? I, I, I think it's a... It's what a, am I missing? It's a continued push to create public distrust in an organization. That's the... It, it, it's either that or just grossly not understanding some fairly simple things but like that you said, people who are going to talk about it should understand. It's smart people talking about this, so I don't think it's a it's a lack of understanding. They're too smart to not know the way it's supposed to go. I don't think these people would like this sort of law enforcement, you know, just drop in affidavits that are supposed to be sealed without any order from the court in other situations. I, I know they wouldn't. And so, and if it weren't ever going to come out, It would be another thing, but it's not like this thing is going to live in secrecy for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. 
it, it, this is the lead up to a determination whether or not they go forward with charges or they don't. If they go forward with charges, this is going to all be, I mean, it's all going to be out there at that point. Um, and you're going to know. And uh, I don't know, maybe it's political expediency. Maybe it's you want that out before the midterms or something like that. And But but I'm not sure. The other thing in it, the, when, when he says unredacted, that means there's a whole lot of names in there. Mm-hmm. Means there's a, probably a whole lot of names in there of people who might have been cooperative. So, I, I mean, that's the other. Yeah, that's the other reason I can I can think of something like that. But on the flip side of that whole thing, and I know you guys want me to quit talking about this, but for some reason it really gets me going. <laughs> Not less, much less because of the political, but just because of the common sense of the whole thing. The other thing is that thing is going to make Trump probably. Sure, I know that there's this hope that there's this treasure trove of of FBI malfeasance in this thing. It's probably going to make, listen, if they went to it and they got a judge sign it and they put the things in, there's no cross-examination or anything, it is not going to paint the former president in a good light at all. And it's going to be released and taken as fact by a whole lot of people and accepted as fact, which is not did not go through the judicial process, which, by the way, is why we don't release these prior to charging, prior to actually have judicial vetting of these things. It's in large part, yes, the FBI wants to preserve their, you know, their strategy and, and those sorts of things. But the other side of that is it's to be fair to possible defendants. Mm-hmm. If the FBI searches my house and can go to the media and drop the affidavit about why they did it, I'm going to say, uh-uh, no, you're not. You, you're not going to. You're not going to put that out there without me having some some say, some ability to defend myself. Because there's no, there's no actually uh, current judicial uh, uh, proceeding that's going on where I can address those things, or where they can be vetted, or they can go through cross examination or discovery or any of those those things. It's just like people forgot how the. Listen, if the FBI was was if the FBI was corrupt in the, this whole thing, it'll absolutely come out in in the process of this whole thing. If they and if they're corrupt in it and they're looking to go no matter what, they're going to file charges, right? If this, the idea is to take down Trump, they're going to file charges. The affidavit will come out, and then you're going to battle it out at that point, right? But sorry, it's sticking in my craw this morning. I know. What else do we have? Oh, well, you know, we'll go on the other side of things here as well. Uh, the House Republicans put out their uh, Afghanistan report. Uh, is a year ago well, yesterday. Yeah, a year, year ago, ago yesterday, yesterday. That that mess went down, and uh, you know, I think there are some people saying there wasn't enough bipartisan nature in this whole thing, um, sim- similar to the January sixth committee. Uh, but it was, uh, you know, scathing and maybe, maybe rightfully so. A report issued by Republicans in the U.S. House of Representatives blames President Biden for, in its wording, tragic yet avoidable outcomes in leaving around 800 U.S. citizens behind in Afghanistan when withdrawing the U.S. military presence from the Mideastern nation and allowing it to fall back under control of the radical Taliban militants. Those 800 Americans needed evacuating despite the White House promising to leave no American behind. The National Security Council, replying through a memo, says the House Republicans' report is partisan, incomplete, and riddled with inaccuracies and false claims. Evan Brown, Fox News. I, boy, it's it's hard for me to look at what happened and just, you know, knowing everything that went down and the people that lost their lives that that was done the right way to think that that was done the right way that it was done smoothly being the actually evacuation that whole 
process. Now, I know in interviews, Biden said, look, you had to bake in some of the costs and that there was going to be some chaos associated with it. But in boy, it's it's I think it takes a little bit of a stretch to look at what everything that happened with that. And, you know, the the larger picture of it, I think, goes back through multiple presidents. But the specific um, the specific way that it was handled during the Biden administration was it, it, it produced a bad a, a situation that boy, I'd be surprised. It's hard to imagine that it could not have been better than that. Right. The people who lost their lives with what what's happened. And and then I think there's two discussions. There's the the nuts and bolts of the actual evacuation. I think there's a large the large term strategy that goes along with the whole thing as well, which you know, to some degree Trump and Biden were kind of on the same side on. Right? They were they were kind of I mean they Biden was effectuating, you know, the large scale terms of what trump wanted and there have been a lot of critics of of that as well because of what that has done for especially for women under taliban control and everything that goes along with that but nonetheless um yeah we'll uh we'll we'll have continued conversation on that and especially since we're right up on a year after it all happened uh big primaries tonight i asked who's fired up earlier alaska wyoming who's gonna get it former president trump last month recalled to a rally in anchorage alaska that sarah palin was an early backer of his presidential bid i know your opponents and i like you way better you're great, Sarah, and I appreciate it, and I won't forget. Her chief opponent is Republican businessman Nick Begich III. He and Palin were the top two vote-getters out of four who advanced in Alaska's new ranked-choice voting system in the special election primary to finish out late Congressman Don Young's term. But they're all duking it out tomorrow in the primary for a full congressional term as well. Trump's also backed Kelly Shibaka against incumbent Senator Lisa Murkowski, and in Wyoming's congressional race, he's backed attorney Harriet Hageman over Liz Cheney. Jessica Rosenthal. Fox News. Ranked choice. Ranked Way to go, choice Alaska. Cool. Nice. I want ranked choice. If I, look at make... that ultra progressive beacon. Alaska does it, though. I mean, and it ends up electing Sarah Palin. Guys, ranked choice would have been insane for that Republican uh, primary for governor. Oh, who benefits from that? Lindstrom, right? Because everybody's putting Lindstrom, too. Well... Yeah, because you had you because nobody's like one herbster. Well, you didn't just have three, pillin. you know. That's you, true. You had what five or Thibodeau, six, right? So what you're doing is you were you were probably going to have several people, several people like like there's ten people voting across the state. You were probably going to have a lot of people put herbster dead last. That's true. But or you were going to have the last. herbster people put pillin and Lindstrom last and second to last. Right. Yeah, it would have been fascinating to see what would have happened with uh, with that. I like that idea. I'd I'd be in favor of doing something. Hey, if I can't get what I want, give me something close to what I want, right? Let me say, if you're not going to go with the person I really want, because they're very unlikely to win this. Let thing, me put my second. Let me choice get. In give there. me my second choice in that whole thing. I'd be open to that. See how it goes in Alaska. Uh, with the. Uh, School year starting here in a lot of places, including right here in uh, Lincoln and LPS and other schools in the area. Schools around the country are finding themselves in a situation now where we've talked a lot about shortages of teachers and employees, but there's another shortage that's out there, too. 
a shortage in enrollment numbers. Many school districts face declining enrollment as a result of the pandemic. Alberto Carvalho, the superintendent of the Los Angeles Unified School District, tells CBS's Face the Nation, worsening economic conditions are driving many immigrant families to leave, and other parents are simply not enrolling their younger children. So we have the lost children of Los Angeles. There are lost children in Miami, New York, every single large urban center. Carvalho says school officials have been going into the community, even knocking on doors to encourage families to send their children back to the classroom. In Atlanta, Jonathan Siri, Fox News. All right. Uh, if you're uh, somebody who uses the TikTok app or has a uh, kid or grandkid who uses the TikTok app um, and you have it on your phone, you have the app existing on your phone, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. They continue to have these stories about the different security concerns. And this, I don't know if this one puts people over the edge to get it off or not, but interesting to see who uh, TikTok is employing these days. Forbes surveyed hundreds of LinkedIn profiles of ByteDance employees, finding at least 300 workers had previously held positions with Chinese state media. Fifteen of them appear to work for both currently. The U.S. State Department has labeled those media organizations as foreign government functionaries. U.S. officials have repeatedly warned about the national security threat TikTok poses. FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr called on the CEOs of Apple and Google to remove TikTok from their app stores in June. A ByteDance spokesperson told Forbes that hiring is decided, quote, purely on an individual's professional capability to do the job. Gianna Jalosi, Fox News. And it just turns out that Chinese state media just develops you in a great way to run a social media app. Yeah, probably. Things like it. I don't know. It, b- Man, if, if this is what they're doing is they're, they're developing an app that's going to hurt, just hook on culturally, not only in America or all over the world, but also use it to just get crazy data on people, including their adversaries all over the world. It's a pretty smart move. Um, and people aren't people aren't going to say goodbye to it. I don't know if Apple and I mean, Trump wanted it banned for a while and I didn't know about that, but he might have been onto something there with that. Um, but I don't know if Apple and Google will, will take it's so I mean, so many people have it. Yeah. It's so huge at this point. I made one TikTok and then I deleted it. Oh, well, you deleted it after the one TikTok you made? Yeah, because I didn't listen. I'm not I don't need the uh, Chinese government to know where I am. They already do that through my the cheap uh earbuds that I buy. <laughs> They're very clearly tracking those. I have no doubt about it. Uh, and plus, I couldn't figure out how to use it very well. It's, um, it's not coming off my phone. Okay. Well, all right. Enjoy. Send it straight. Do you just want me to tell you directly yeah, what wh- you and your family wh- are wh- doing? What's what's that email? Because I could just send them the info. Uh, G at hotmail.com. Oh, deal. Actually, it's G loves pizza at hotmail.com. <laughs> Uh, that one sounds fishy. <laughs> uh, by the way, check your uh, check your fridges, especially if you have young kids and the beverages that might be in there, because I know I got a lot of this in my garage fridge, and uh, I may have to go through it today. Kraft Heinz voluntarily recalling more than 5,700 cases of Capri Sun after some cleaning solution accidentally mixed with juice on a production line. The recall applies to Capri Sun Wild Cherry Flavored Juice Blend Pouches with a best when used by date of June 23, 2023. The cleaning solution is used on Kraft Heinz food processing equipment. The company says it discovered the problem after getting complaints about the juice's taste. Customers who bought the affected Capri Sun should not consume it and return it to the store where it was purchased for a refund. Steve Rappaport, Fox News. There's a 
very much non-zero chance I've got some of that in my fridge, well, especially given the dates that they're talking about, because I got it really early, like the summer or spring. Right. Like, we're okay because we don't give Millie juice yet. Yeah. But if you're able to find where something happened, like there was a chemical, it, it spilled, and it's right. it's now in mixed with the drink. Is there not a camera or somebody paying attention to your production line? The FBI asked him to turn them off. Probably. But for it to get all the way dis- for it to get to the people where people are tasting it, you're seeing it should have been caught earlier in the process. Yes. How did it like where did you fail several here's the, times? Here's the funny thing. I don't think I've bought Capri- I, don't, I don't know the last time. I don't know if I've ever really bought Capri Sun. I probably did when I was a kid cuz the bag intrigued me. Mm-hmm. We were drank a lot of high C and Capri Sun when we were kids, but we were at we were at like uh we were getting big you know things of pop and water and stuff at one of the warehouse stores and my daughter was like, "Can we get Capri Sun?" The spring, I was like, I don't know, whatever. It's fine if you want some of that. You know, she's 12 years old now. And I think so, the only time... I, so the first time I got it, I think the first time in my life I've gotten it for three decades, and it's got cleaning solution in it. The only times I've had Capri Sun in the last 15 years have definitely been in a Lunchable. Oh, that's a good point. Lunchables are big on those things. Yeah. I don't know. Check it out. I'm going to check mine out when I get home today. Cool. All right. It is 6.56. We'll take a break. It's LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. All right, welcome back, LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN, 62 degrees in the capital city on a uh, nice morning, and uh, kids uh, kids uh, getting out there to school today in larger numbers than we had yesterday, so give yourself a few more minutes to figure out those new traffic patterns in the capital city and the new commute times that can come along with that in some areas of the uh, city. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing this morning? I'm good, Jack. I'm very good. Good. Very good. Glad to hear it. Uh, all right. Hey, did you, I don't know if you realized this or uncovered this in your reporting, were you aware that there is a, a general election for the governor of the state of Nebraska coming up in like two and a half months? I'm not yeah, sure if you had, I don't know if you've broken that story already or not. It may, it may just be a bad rumor. <laughs> NCN exclusive from Joe Jordan. Breaking. <laughs> there is going to be uh, an election here coming up that nobody is particularly talking about a whole lot. Well, except you did a little bit this week, and uh, so I wanted to I wanted to talk to you about that. And um, it sounds like um, the Pillin de- uh, blood debate sort of situation. The shoes kind of on the other foot from what we had on the Republican primary. Is that what it is? What What can you tell us? Well, as you remember, I mean, during the Republican primary, Jim Pillen, after what some considered a couple of gaffes uh, early on, late December, early January, uh, the Pillen campaign decided they weren't going to partake in any debates. Uh, They didn't. At that point, I remember former Governor Heineman called that strategy a mistake, thought it was probably going to cost Pillen the nomination. But as we all know, it didn't. And as we discussed this before, I was pretty confident uh, that there was probably no reason for Mr. Pillen to debate in the fall if he won the primary without a debate. Uh, given the num- Republican, Democratic, just simply the numbers in the state, why would he want to debate Carol Blood and give her any any possible traction? Then just in the last you know 10 days or so, NTV uh, offered a debate to uh, both uh, Jim Pillen and Carol Blood and she said yes, and he said no, and their campaign basically said what they've been saying for quite some time is 
They're not going to get involved in political theatrics. They're just going to go out and talk to the voters. And, you know, that's where that's where it stands right now. And I, I don't know what that means in terms of the, the Carol Blood's campaign. Uh, you know, the debates oftentimes will give the opponent, especially the underdog opponent, some traction. Um, this taking the debates off the table means that she won't have that opportunity. If, you know, there's a part of me that thinks if I was the, the, the Carol Blood campaign, I'd strongly be considering going in all in 100% and make abortion the issue in this campaign. Mm. Because that's, you know, we had Kansas, you know, last week made their decision, the voters there in a, in a you know, very red state, uh, 60-40 decided that they wanted to keep the possibilities of abortion uh, in the Constitution, that they didn't want a total ban. Uh, it's not clear what crossover effect that will have here in Nebraska, but we've all we've heard from at least one uh, candidate for the state legislature, Stu Dornan, up here in Omaha. Um, he he's a Republican, but he's clearly not going to. He said he's not going to sort of quote. He didn't say this, but he, he's not going to toe the party line when it comes to abortion if he gets re, if he gets elected in in in, in January. Hmm. Uh, so uh, and he said it's because that's how his he thinks his district is is in, is of that view. Um, so you know, I mean. It's tough when you're running a campaign as an underdog when you can't get any traction against your opponent, which makes me think that, that maybe, you know, Carol Blow would be wise to say this campaign is all about Jim Pillen's views and my views on abortion and roll the dice and see, you know, if she can can get it. Because, you know, the, the history of this is it's a 60-40 Republican win if nothing changes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you're right. I, I, part of me thinks why not why not change the playing field? You know, try to make everything you do between now and November about uh, pro-choice versus pro-life, and and see where it goes. Because because otherwise, I don't see where this campaign becomes anything more than a Jim Pillen, you know, march to victory. Yeah, it, uh, there's not much to lose in that strategy, and it's kind of where you are policy-wise anyway. So um, it it would make some sense, even though it's probably still a, a huge hail mary. Now, getting back to the debate thing in terms of the the strategy of it for Pillen, I'll admit. I said what former Governor Dave Heineman said, and a lot of other people said mm-hmm. as well, is I thought it was a misstep in the primary not to not to go to these, especially at the end of the whole thing when Pillen was under fire with some of these allegations that were out there. I, I thought it was a mistake. I was wrong. I mean, I, I was wrong in the sense that uh, it, he was still able to to win that primary despite having not done that. So having that having said that, that was my position st- strictly from a political uh, strategy perspective. This is absolutely one hundred percent in the fall in the in the general election. The right political strategy decision not to do this now. There's no contra. I mean, there's no. I mean, it feels fairly uncontrovertible because legitimately the only thing they can do the these things could possibly do would be hurt you if you're pilling. I don't think it was the same way in the GOP primary. But uh, that's the case now. Now, I would say something different about it if I'm doing it from a, a citizen who wants to, to, to hear these right. things. I'm not talking about whether debating is good or bad, you know, from a, a more uh, at a higher level conversation. But strictly from political strategy is the least controversial thing possible that I can think of for him not to do these. Right. And, and to me, it's, it, it puts a, a, a curious onus on, on the TV stations, to be honest with you, because they could say to Carol Blood, okay, 
We're not going to do an hour debate because Jim Pillen won't come. But we'll do a half hour and give you a half hour with Jim Pillen in the empty chair sitting next to you and a big sign that says Jim Pillen won't debate. Uh, and we'll and we'll give you that opportunity. I don't know. I don't know that they will or they won't because they don't they don't find it as interesting because it's just you know one candidate and there's no interplay and no conflict going on. Uh, but if I was Carol Blood, I'd be coming back to the stations and saying, "Hey, you made the offer. I said yes." Pillen said no. I think we should still have the opportunity to come on your TV station mm-hmm. and talk to your your viewers and your audience about what's going on. Now, the downside to that strategy is is if you if you're going to assume that the reporters are going to ask penetrating and difficult questions, True. then she has to answer all the difficult questions, and he gets a free pass. Yeah. So he, so he kind of wins at both ends, which is why I guess if I'm Carol Blood, I'm going to say. Yes to the TV stations. Give me the half hour or whatever time you, you, you can give me. I'll answer all your questions. But if I were her, I'd be answering every question tied to to, to abortion and saying, if, "Why isn't Jim Pillen here talking about this issue? Why isn't Jim Pillen here talking about this issue?" Uh, and, and 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 maybe a bond beyond abortion, the tax issue, whatever the issue is. Right. But but it puts you know. So it's, there's kind of a double whammy. If she does it, she's going to get the tough questions that he doesn't get. If she doesn't do it, she's giving up, you know, some airtime and some and some news coverage that she wouldn't otherwise get. You know, when you were talking about sort of the dilemma for the TV stations, it made me, uh, you know, we've tried to put debates here together in the past, um, sure. and 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 we've been and. And I'll be honest. This, I mean, I'm I'm going to be a little forthcoming here, just in in terms of how I look at this race, um, from from strictly from a, a morning show content perspective, um, for better or for worse. I we talked. I had you on, you know, during the during the winter and into the spring. We talked a ton about the GOP primary. We had a ton of discussion about it on the show. It was part of all of our regular segments and all of those things. And I've got. Again, I say for better or for worse, maybe for worse, but it's hard for me to treat the general that same way because I feel like it's uh, I know the outcome of it already. And so it's just it's not it's not interesting for me to talk about. I don't know. I I don't know that the listeners are particularly tied up or, or interested in it as well. And I, you know, if I'm shirking, maybe I'm shirking some sort of responsibility that I've got as a morning show host to be delving into it and, and informing voters. And I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit more as it gets closer. But that's kind of the rub here for for the media. Right. And, and I think I'm I've got a different role than does say a a TV station or even our newsroom or what you do, Joe, uh, to some degree. But that's also the reality of the situation around this thing. Well, you can't. You, it's hard to interest people in something that that, that they don't show any interest in. It, it, you know, you're you're pulling them into something that they may not want to. They may not want to partake partake in. And yeah, that's a dilemma. It's 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 extremely difficult. Um, I do I do think that uh, the you know if NTV or whoever is going to make a an overture for a debate to two candidates and one says no, I do think they have to think about the possibility of giving the the candidate that said yes some significant airtime uh, regardless, and then point out that we made the offer to both. This this happens all the time on on interviews. You watch any Sunday morning show, and, and, you know, whether it's ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, whatever, they'll invite, you know, the Democrat and the Republican. The Democrat might show up. The Republican doesn't. They give the Democrat four or five minutes. The Republicans, well, we offered them to come. They didn't want to come. 
But again, the person that shows up gets all the tough questions, and the person that doesn't gets the pass. Yeah. So it's 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 a real catch twenty two in my view. But I do think there's a responsibility for the media to say we're going to give you the opportunity, Carol Blood or whoever the candidate is <clears throat> that says yes versus the one that says no. Yeah, I think I would. I feel like I would probably do that if I were in in that situation. But that's also because I do think there's now taking off my political consultant hat, amateur armchair political consultant hat, and putting on my voter hat. I I I want to see these debates. I want to see these these things as a voter. I would like to hear them. I'd like to see how these candidates do in these situations when they're directly challenged by their right. by people who what? disagree with them on policy. To me, that's incredibly relevant stuff for picking your uh, picking your leaders. So I, I'd I'd like to see and it. He, and here's one thing where I think <clears throat> where I think some of the the campaigns are totally disingenuous. What you almost always hear is, well, you know. I'm not talking to the voters and I'm meeting them one-on-one and, you know, they're, I'm telling them what, telling them what I think about this. Yeah. But we all know this. The voters don't ask penetrating questions of these people. Right. They, they, they're, they're, they don't, that's not, that's not their role in the world. They're, they, there's some, they have, they have interest in issues, but they're not going to push somebody that if Jim Pillen walks into a, you know, a farm, they're not going to push Jim Pillen to, to answer questions. They're going to, they're going to be polite because that's, because that's what they are. But, you know, the news media has a different role in this. We, we don't, we're, we're technically, we're not supposed to be polite. We're supposed to be a bit of aggressive, try to get these people to answer questions that they really don't want to answer. Uh, that's, that's the response. That's why there's a news media. That's why Jefferson wanted a, 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 a press, a right. free press that could ask ask these questions because he knows that the general voter doesn't want to get involved in, in entanglement with these with these people. They that's not with that's not they don't want to get up in the morning thinking how am what am I going to ask Jim Pillen today when I get a chance to talk to him one on one for four seconds? No, yeah. that's not how that's just not how the world works. Yeah. Uh well, it, it, you know we've got. Do you think? Do you think a month from now, um, when we're what six weeks away from election day that uh, whether it's this, whether it be these house races in in the district that you're in or the district that I'm in, whether it be potentially uh, potentially some kind of uh, ballot initiatives, which we still I feel like I don't have a good idea what is and what isn't going to be on the right. ballot initiatives. Do, do you think it's going to be a significantly different feel in terms of leading up to this general election in Nebraska? Well, I, I, the governor's race is one thing. Yeah, the, the, the first district congressional race is going to be is going to make make news. The second district congressional race is going to make news. Uh, the ballot issues, uh, what, what's on, what's, you know, if, if, if certainly if medical marijuana is on the ballot, that's going to be a major issue between now and November. If it's not, there's probably going to be fallout going forward. But in the, in the short term, if it's not on the ballot, it's going to kind of get lost versus those that, that make the ballot, whether uh, obviously the uh, uh, voter ID and minimum wage, those appeared like they've probably got enough signatures, but I obviously, obviously got to wait and see how this one plays out. But, if, but between those ballot initiatives, those two congressional races, uh, and some individual state Senate races locally, you know, for, in Lincoln and in Omaha, there's going to there's, there's gonna be plenty to talk about, which is also a reason why Carol Blood has another problem, because she's going to get drowned out by the races that that's, everybody is competing for. That's a good point. Uh, so th- I, I don't know what the strategy of the Blood campaign is right now, but they need to come up with something to, to – Something, 
a bit unorthodox, uh, I would think, to make something change between now and November. Maybe start uh, making people like me uh, uh, stop forgetting <laughs> that a race is coming up in a, in a few months. That would be a good step one on the list, I would say, yeah. perhaps. But now the, I don't I don't know. See, the thing is, Joe, I got into a real rotation of taking my time during the commercial breaks during political season and really getting that coffee pour exactly Those like eight I minute breaks do we a pour, do a pour over coffee during the Pillin and Ricketts ads and I thought by now I'd be back in that rhythm and I, there's not a political uh, commercial to be heard anywhere lately and no, so it's tough they're coming. my they coffee they're coming okay good the pour over needs to come back it was yeah. very good uh, <laughs> I don't drink pour over coffee I just drink the coffee that mark makes every morning he does a great job uh all right hey great barista mark great barista mark uh great to talk oh joe i've got good good news for you you're gonna be very excited about this before i let you go i'm doing some uh uh some football for your employer again this year on tv oh, good. and yeah. my my demand uh to you know the rubacks and the floods of the world out there that i'm not going to do these again unless i get one of those sweet yellow jackets that intense your sports contract team wears, negotiations where i'm just you know i've just been yelling at these guys via just irate texts and stuff for the last two years <laughs> it finally all paid off and uh i'm gonna be granted with the golden jacket here this fall so I'm very excited. Get to the tailor and make sure it fits now. Yeah, I know. But no, I know. I was texting with your sports guy. He was like, what size do you wear? And I was like, I don't know, big. I never wear suit jackets anymore. <laughs> XL sports jacket. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you, Joe. We'll talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you in two weeks. I know you're off next week, so we'll talk to you in two weeks. Have a good one. Thanks, Jack. Take care. Good. Joe Jordan, News Channel, Nebraska. I don't know, big. <laughs> He's like, I don't know. I haven't really, like, shot. I would have known if you asked me twenty years ago. I would have had the tailor, all the tailoring numbers right there and ready for you. But when my wife's at Target, she's like, "Hey, you need new jeans. Yours have holes. What size do you wear?" And that's my answer. Big. <laughs> I don't know. Get a big waistband. <laughs> Seven twenty-five. It's uh, I like to have a little room. <laughs> Seven twenty-five. It's LNK today with Jack and friends on KLIN. I like the local news because it doesn't get into all these politics. Get today's top news and sports directly to your inbox. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com. I am. 7.39. It is time to count them down. It is your morning drive. And let's get it started today with... Number five. Another wave of kids back to school today in the area as a big chunk of LPS middle and high school students, in addition to students at some parochial schools in the area, they're all getting started with their school year today. Uh, traffic cams, Jack, have you checked them I'm, out? Uh, I'm monitoring. I'm taking a looking looking live right now at 14th and Pine Lake. That's yeah. my my first choice because <laughs> I was too. <laughs> I was very curious. And uh, those uh, those westbound lanes on Pine Lake right now, they're looking busy, but, but passable. Uh, now it's time for me to go out to another one of my favorites this time of year, and that is 84th and A Street. Yikes! That left turn lane from 84th on to A. <laughs> it looks like the scene in Field of Dreams where the cars are lined up for miles. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Any others that I need to check on here? This. Uh, what, how about, let's see, how about a little... Uh, um, do I have one near Southeast? Let's check out... No, I don't know if this would be no. a great part. Normal and South. Oh, yikes. The old Bermuda Triangle there. <laughs> I, that, that may be an issue all the time there at that point. Let's see. How about a little 27th on Highway 2? Another thing. Just a mass of cars. Just an absolute <laughs> oh, mass the humanity. of cars right now. Hey, good luck to 
all of you out there who are uh, who are navigating it, hopefully you are, are not late to wherever you're trying to get going because uh, as uh, th- that commute time can increase depending on where you're going. But more importantly, best of luck to all the all the kids, parents, teachers, staff. A lot of wet streets out there this morning. We are, yeah, some of these cameras I can't even see. Apparently, yeah. we're getting a decent amount of rain in some parts of the city right now, which is good because we didn't get squat yesterday. Need the rain. Four tenths at... Uh, Four tenths. Most, most of that must have been overnight then, right? Yeah, it was. Three tenths. All, uh, all I heard from the meteorologist was, okay, you know, good chances of rain here. This is going to move in here. We barely got squat after all that. I don't want... Listen... I'm not always cheering for the dome, okay? I wanted the dome to lose out to the ring yesterday, and I barely did. I'm actually anti-dome now. Yeah, I heard Rusty bought you. Yeah. Don't worry. I can... Whatever he's giving you, double it. Gonna end up owning a bar at the end of this. (laughs) (laughs) You hear about the 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 three guys that walked into the bar? Or the two guys walked into the bar? Uh, The third one ducked. Number four took me took me a couple seconds. <laughs> well, Nebraska football preps for the game in Ireland at uh, Northwestern. The program created some buzz and discussion by releasing images of their throwback uniforms. They'll be wearing down to the '83 scoring explosion. So, what do you guys think about the new old look? I mean, I, 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 they they look like very slightly changed regular Nebraska uniforms, which I like Nebraska uniforms, and so I don't. I don't dislike them in any way. I think they'll look cool and just very slightly tweaked. It's, you know, not the, you know, it's not that I see them and I'm like, oh, that screams 1983 because, first of all, everybody wears their sleeves different now uh, than they did in 1983. <laughs> the sle- Even 12 years after, Seth, when, when you took my game jersey off, it, you know, it went down, the sleeves hung down to my elbow. Right, you everything's a little tighter pits. and sleeker. And now, now the sleeves—you barely even see the sides of the sleeves. So it's—it doesn't look like an eighty. I think to really—I think what you should really do, Caleb, if you really want to try, is wear the pad sizes that oh, they wore, gee. wear the sleeve lengths that they wore, a lot the more neck rolls. tightness, neck rolls, and those sorts of things. That would be sweet if they actually did that. I would get fired up about that. But it's going to be a a tweet. They'll, you know, I got no problem with it. It's just not. It, it was a very conservative design re- choice. It was really conservative. And it's it's fine. Hey, I'm, you can I'm see fine the, with that, too. No politics involved. Here. Oh, oops. Well, we got to yeah. get some liberal design choices We in had there. those already, I think. Um, you can see the. All right, let's go progressive. You, you can see the uniforms that they're going with at KLIN.com. Assuming they're going to wear these against Ohio State, or Ohio State, Oklahoma. Oh, Oklahoma. Of course. That makes sense. Uh, the difference is there's an N on the sleeve where there normally is a number, mm-hmm. but you can really not see that very well normally because the sleeves are so short and tight yep. coming up under the pads. Uh, there are stripes back on the pants. The thing about the stripes on the pants is they took them away for the first time in 1995. They went stripe to no stripes. After they, isn't that an interesting decision? They changed the uniform after they won a national championship. Right? Why? The first game they didn't have the stripes on the pants was a Thursday night game at Oklahoma State, and I thought the look was sweet when I was <laughs> that age and, and watching it. And then as I grew older, I wanted the stripes back. And since then, they've gone back and forth with the stripes. 
as, like long, as long as we're not doing the 2002 pants. Yes, they did the 2002 piping, but they've had the stripes on and off since then as well. And so, so just, you know, they're back to that. But that feels like they've already done that. And they, they also gave a mesh look to the white of the numbers on the jersey. What they did with the 97 ones right. the, a few years back, which I thought that was cool. Now, I, I think these jerseys are going to sell just fine. I know you I disagree don't know with why that. Any, I don't know why anybody would really go out of their way to buy these. It's not, And again, that's not me criticizing it. It's just it looks so much like the jersey you already have, and it's not... I would uh, be okay with this just being the regular jersey. That'd be fun. I wouldn't have a problem with that, necessarily. Now, what I think they should do, if you are going to go throwback jerseys, make a modern v- version of the tearaways. I want some midriff showing. Yes. And I want, if someone grabs your jersey to tackle you, I don't care if it's against an NCAA rule. Let that jersey rip completely off. That, you know, because that's true with Nebraska, who thankfully <laughs> has kept their brand and their uniform, their primary uniform, basically the same for decades. The, the You know, like the Notre Dames, the Penn States, the Alabamas of the world. I think that's a good thing. You look back to Kansas's uniform history, for instance, they've got 5,000 different uniforms that they've even were wearing back. They changed their colors. Yeah, I mean, sure, all sure. of these More things. More than 5,000. They've got tons of them. Nebraska doesn't have that. The thing that changed about the uniforms was more about the fit, right? Mm-hmm. The accessories, all of those things than the look. So if we're going to do a throwback, let's go full. I want somebody wearing, like you said, the old school cowboy collar. Wouldn't Garrett Nelson, okay, Garrett, oh. go into the equipment room, okay? I'm sure Jay can get that figure that figure out for you over there. Get him a see if I'm at Remington as an old cowboy collar laying around there somewhere <laughs> that you can use the one that goes down all the way to your chest. Yeah, that's what I want to see. Big cl- big pads on your elbows and your right on your your hand. The, not the actual gloves, but Adidas needs to come out with those fingerless gloves that we used to wear. Oh, with padding on top of the wrists. The, the big forearm pads that Sh- linemen used to wear. Shoulder pads. You look at my high school football picture, and it was not, it was later than 1983. I, the first time I showed my son that, he was like, why are your pads eight times larger than they need to be? Which is a good question. They didn't even get used much, but nonetheless. So the question that I get from uh, listening to this is, to stripe or not to stripe? Is that the question? Yes, but they've been battling that question for the last 20 years, not during the... Uh, I, I I am fine with the stripes. I like the stripes. Mm-hmm. But I associate it more with the back and forth after the 90s than I do the, uh, the, the 83 thing. But yeah, I like the stripes. I especially like the stripes on the red pants. Oh, on the, the, on the away uniforms. Those are the ones I, I really like. But no, I'm good with the stripes. As long as we're not doing all whites or all reds, I'm fine with it. See that now, if they really wanted to do it, you want to throw it back. Maybe they'll wait to do this till let's see what year would it be? Twenty twenty six, which would be the forty year anniversary of the nineteen eighty six Oklahoma game. Second game I ever went to. Walked in there with my dad, had my balloon ready to go, and the first thing I saw was Nebraska football decked out in all red. And my dad said, "I've never seen anything like this before." And I don't think he liked it, but <laughs> I did. <laughs> It looked weird, but come on. Isn't it different showing up to the stadium and going, oh, different uniforms? Right. There was no Twitter. As opposed to, here's a whole video about it. Yeah, we did not. There was no notice. You found out when you walked into the stadium. (laughs) 
that day, which is exactly what happened with my dad and me in nineteen. Turn on the radio, they're describing it, and everyone's going, wait a minute, all reds. Yep. Then Brian Bosworth and Keith Jackson, Barry Switzer, ruined my night, and I bawled the entire way That's home. not part of the discussion. <laughs> Number three. <laughs> Nebraska, honestly, it's not for everyone. Remember that campaign? Yeah, I uh, do. Well, it received another award. Uh, 2022 Mercury Award at ESTO, the Educational Seminar of Tourism Organization. Look at that. Uh, they got one at, uh, for the marketing budget less than $10 million. Our thanks to 1011 for posting that story. <laughs> the low-budget campaigns. <laughs> I didn't ever hate this as much as the vast majority of people did. I thought it did its job of grabbing attention at the time and getting headlines and getting people talking about it. And I like it. I mean, I didn't. I, I didn't. I also love the good life. That whole is a, but that's sort of a different. I feel like that has a bit of a different purpose than the attention catching part of of the way. It's not for everyone. Would be for you. It would be used. It's it's about the tourism aspect of it, right? The, yeah. s- some of the things you would do. It's not for, and it makes you think like you were getting into an exclusive club. It makes you feel like you're a coffee or a wine snob, essentially. Oh, yeah, I like Nebraska. You may not like it so much. Mm, I like a real dry white wine. It may not be something you like. I'll get you a sweet one, okay, hon? Right? That kind of thing. Mark does that to people all the time, I think. Never been a fan of it. Cool. It it wins awards, and it makes you think about stuff. I've never cared for it. Bottom line is, does it get tourism going? That's the question. And I don't know what, you know, what the... I'd be interested to see if... You probably don't have a metric to figure out exactly what that did but if it's making people aware of nebraska and bringing them in here for tourism then great i'm not going to lose sleep over the overall messaging that's that's about it it's got one job and one job only get people out to chimney rock <laughs> and car hinge. car hinge. Ca- get people out to car hinge right all right get people, people out to that arch that arch are they visiting shadrin the arch you mean the fur the fur trade museum in shadrin mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. the arch definitely isn't for everyone <laughs> That's weird past a certain age. <laughs> Walking through there. <laughs> number two. Nebraska volleyball team ranked number one in the nation. Uh, preseason coaches poll. Uh, Huskers collected 1,538 points. And uh, came in ahead of Texas, Wisconsin, Louisville, and Minnesota. <laughs> I'm, 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 I mean, what do I say? I can't wait for volleyball. Season. It's where we thought I, Nebraska was going to be. I love it. Number one. Uh, Final Four is in Omaha this year. I love vo- the the sport of Nebraska volleyball as compared to the other sports that I cheer for, whether they're Husker sports or non-Husker sports, because I have a level of rock-solid, deep confidence that allows me to live my wi- life as a fan in a completely <laughs> different way than I do of any other sport. Where I've got anxiety in other sports, I have calm when it comes <laughs> to volleyball. Where I have trepidation... About upcoming games in other sports and what could happen in them, I have excitement about games for Nebraska volleyball. Where I am somewhat quiet, I don't get out of hand in what I say about my team, and I'm always guarding it in other sports. With Nebraska volleyball, I'm brash. (laughs) I say whatever I want because I know they'll back it up. They'll have me. And it's terrifying for all of their opponents. And I love that. It's a bit dark, and I embrace that. It's all fine. Four days until fan day and the red-white scrimmage, ten days until the season openers. 
They got a whole bunch of new players, and they're still going to kill everybody. It's going to be great. Just wreck them. Just absolutely wreck people. And you, you can't say that. You can't have that kind of brashness with any other sport that you like, but I can. You know what I can say here? About, because they're Nebraska volleyball, I wouldn't rule out that they'll go undefeated for the entire season and win the national championship. I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule it out. I and, just wouldn't completely rule it out. And that's not even a hot take. That's not even a hot take. That's a, it's a legit possibility. And I, <laughs> as, as a fan, we've earned the ability to say brash, ridiculous things like that because they might be true. So enjoy it, rest of the team. Hey, Texas, see you in Omaha, okay? We'll see you in Omaha. Wisconsin can come, too, if they want to. Nebraska football got a vote in their poll yesterday, too. Okay, that I'm not going to be as brash about. <laughs> Number one. Walmart signed their streaming deal. They did it with Paramount Global. And will offer the, uh, on the Walmart Plus uh, subscription service, they're now going to get the Paramount Plus essential plan. That includes ads and offers original dramas such as Star oh, Trek, Strange New Worlds. Come on, Walmart. Uh, give me something better than that, right? Uh, also, Sonic uh, the Hedgehog 2. Yep. And live sports. <laughs> oh, okay. So we'll see where do that... Have, do you have the Paramount? Do you have the Paramount? No. Uh, anybody, anybody have Paramount? Nope. Am I missing something on Paramount? Are they the one that are pushing the new Beavis and Butthead remake? I, I think that's what they're Is doing that right them? now. I think that's Paramount, which frankly is working on me. But but beyond that, I don't know. They got a ways to go to get Amazon still, don't they? And their gas deal. So they're adding gas to it, but it's like, if I understand it, maybe somebody with Walmart Plus can help me. But I think you just sort of like get a discount at participating gas retailers with Walmart Plus, I believe is how that works. And my sister was telling me with the Walmart gas credit card or the Walmart credit card at Sam's Club. Uh, on Tuesdays, you get the ten percent rebate. Okay, well, and that's a different deal beyond different even what this is. Right. But this is—I mean, Mark, you were talking about Amazon Prime, yes, uh, prices yep. yesterday. This is a direct—I mean, that's the competitor here, right? right? This right. is Walmart Plus versus Amazon Prime, which is the better deal? Price? Well, but, Walmart's giving you a better price right yeah, now, ninety-eight dollars a year, or monthly okay. twelve ninety-five. Okay, uh, Prime is what one. 35, 129, something like that. You know what? One thing I would say is I like using Amazon's website way better than Walmart's. I don't know. I, maybe I'm just used to it, but Walmart, like, you can't. They have these third party retailers, and you can't tell if it's talking about things that are in the store or are not in the store sometimes. For some reason, I'm just more. And, and I feel like there's still a better selection with what Amazon has than Walmart in terms of the free shipping part of it. Um,. You're getting, I mean, and then you get the video. The I don't know how Amazon Prime Video stacks up against Paramount Video. Um, I'm not sure exactly, to, to, to be honest. Or the other things that you can get from Walmart Plus video-wise, so I don't have a tail of the tape there. Music services. I don't really use the Amazon music service that goes along with it, so I don't really have much when it comes to that. Um, so I don't know. It's it's just how much more are you willing to pay? And there is starting to be some sticker shock, as you said, Mark, with Amazon Prime. So maybe you make the change. Go to Walmart Plus and see how it goes. Maybe just cancel them all. Or you could do that. I had somebody, I know we got to go. Somebody priced out, this is on social media, they priced out all of the major streaming services if you were going to subscribe. And I guess that's a little arbitrary. But Netflix, um, Hulu, Hulu, all of, yeah. all of them. And they said it will now cost you, if you got all of them, $100 a month. Now this is streaming, so this isn't like YouTube TV or something like that. These are, you know, Netflix, Apple Plus, Disney Plus, all those. Hundred bucks. Remember, like twenty years ago, when we were like, man, there needs to be a different option than cable. 
That doesn't cost 100 something a month. <laughs> Do you realize we've created cable again? <laughs> we've got the cord, but we've created... Only if you don't have friends. That's true. 7.57, and I don't. It's Helen K. today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Oh, yeah. All right, let's take another look at the uh, the old traffic cams around town. How are we doing here on uh, first day with the high school kids and middle school kids back in school? Let's let's check out our friends again by uh, Lincoln Southwest here. How are we doing? The- Not too bad. I mean, they're. Uh, Let's I mean, go they're, to Jack they're Mitchell probably, the helicopter. Here I am. Uh, I am hovering right above 14th and Pine Lake Road. Although there's a little rain covering the camera, so I'm not getting a good view of the Panda Garden. That said, right now it looks like things are moving well. There's a big semi in the left lane of kind of an oil tanker thing and uh other than that grass is looking a little bit greener after we've gotten this rain as well send it back to you jack all right so there you go that is our well, new time saver traffic chopper alert um you're no lofgren i'll let you know true. That. i'm not he is not in danger of losing his day job jason ball joining us right now how was it out there jason I, uh, it, it was not that bad, but okay, everyone's, everyone's being careful in the rain, so let's get everybody to and from safely. There today. we go. Very good. So uh, Jason walks in, and he hands me a card with a QR code on it, and I thought it meant I got some sort of special discount on everything in Lincoln by dropping his name, which it's not. But um, <laughs> You'll get up, upcharged uh, for dropping yeah, yeah, my up, name. Upcharged. Uh, but you're uh, in, inviting people to come take an economic strategy survey. Tell us a little bit about what's on this thing. Yeah. So uh, I think uh, folks that may have listened have heard me talk talk in the past that we are launching a strategic planning initiative and uh, we had the consultants out here for two days last week uh, and in that time they reached over 200 folks here through various focus groups interviews that type of interaction uh, but we have a big community with a lot of corners in it we want to make sure we're reaching as many people as possible and so the best way for us to do that is to encourage everybody it's open and available to the public right now on lcoc.com it's a survey and I know everyone's burned out on surveys. This one takes 10 minutes or less. You can spend a little bit uh, longer on it if you want to really think through your answers. But please go to lcoc.com. It's going to pop up window at you right away and, and, and take the survey. We'd love to get as much interaction with this as possible. I got, uh, I'm got. i stuck on question 10. What is something you see in another community and say, I wish we had that in Lincoln? I'm trying to, trying to think about what. I, I, don't, I feel like it's just a little shallow if I just say water park here because it's not like I'm going to use it. But I would like to see a, a bigger water park here. But. I'm working on it. I'm a little way through, and this yeah. is good. It's a lot of the topics that we've had on the show. What are you going to do with this stuff when you get it? So the consultants are collecting all this information, so this is not filtered through us at a local level at all. They're going to compile it. They're going to report it back to the, the steering committee, which is uh, over 40 folks that have uh, uh, business interests here and other community and stakeholder leaders. Um, and we're going to go through all this information and all the interview information that they've collected and use external data as well. Well, so how do we compare and stack up to other communities? We've got three other cities that we're we're looking at as comparison communities, and that's going to be, if I can remember them all, Madison, Wisconsin. I knew it was going to be Madison, uh, Des Moines. Oh. In Ann Arbor. Ann Arbor. I was going to guess Arbor, Ann Arbor. Yeah. yeah. It's always Madison and Ann Arbor. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. But that's And if you go to Madison uh, uh, frequently, there's, I was telling someone else, uh, there's a lot of trends happening in Lincoln that are very similar to Madison, particularly in the changing nature of what our core downtown looks like. Right. Um, you'll still hear people uh, express some of the same frustrations there about workforce shortage. Uh, traffic uh, is a big concern. Other other corners of that community that need additional investment and, and additional attention and love, we hear that in Lincoln. Um, Madison is a nice proxy for what will Lincoln look like 
um, down the road when we're another 100,000, 200,000 people bigger. I think I figured out what I'm going to put for answer 10 on my set right now. What's something you want to see in another community? Say, I wish we had that Lincoln. I, I just want to find out what the, the best thing Madison doesn't have and put that here. I love it. I love <laughs> figure it. Figure out the best thing Madison doesn't have and get it here. And then, you know, then you just go ahead and say, well, Madison can't do that. You know, no. just FYI. It's, uh, it'd be it's interesting so, to see how this comes out, what, what you hear on this thing. I, we're, we're so excited to see what pops out of it. And, and, and again, I want to stress, it, the best way we can make sure that everyone in Lincoln has a voice in this is to make sure that they make their way to lclc.com and take right. a survey. Cool, check it out. Hey, I wanted to get your reaction. We had we had a couple of pieces of news last week. I wanted to get your reaction to because they certainly affect uh, economic development in, in in Lincoln, tourism, other things. First of all, you had a, you had a handful of um, of organizations that are considered tourism organizations that got grants ranging, you know, from tens of thousands of dollars to real to significant real significant money, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, just curious, how, how big a deal is this to infuse that kind of money into what is really the tourism industry in the Lincoln area and, and how much impact can something like that have? It's it's so important. Uh, you know, we talk frequently about what tourism means to the economic growth and health of the community. Sports, for whatever reason, came back the quickest. I think a lot of that has to do with uh, sports teams do a lot of their activities outside or in large indoor spaces where people felt more comfortable and were less concerned about uh, COVID. Uh, the rest of the industry really continued to to be hampered for, for another year. Um, Thankfully, now we're seeing things come back, but it, it needs investment. Mm-hmm. So we had we had 15 tourism nonprofits in Lincoln. Uh, they're involved in our entertainment district and, and bringing tourists here. Um, uh, it received a total of $5 million through our yeah. grants for, through the city. Um, it, it, you know, that includes some important projects that the, the Lincoln Chamber has been working on through through Jeff Mall and the CVB. And mm-hmm. so we're we're so excited and we celebrate that announcement. What's this kind of, I know, you know, we, we talk to Jeff about tourism all the time. I know you've had yeah. conversations with him. But when you like, how do you envision Lincoln as a tourism city? Like, what type of, uh, what sort of the goal? What's the if you could say, hey, this is kind of the strategy. I would, I would love to see. These are the reasons that I think people come into this and make tourism continue to make tourism a, a significant strength when it comes to the place of Lincoln. Well, when I look forward in in that respect, I think there's two things that I'm looking at. Um, because we're living so close to it at the Chamber and Convention and Visitors Bureau, we know the opportunities that we are missing that we could have groups come here and have their events, uh, uh, do their conventions and that Mm -hmm. type of thing. We know where they're going. Um, We know they want to come here. We know that that all things being equal, they think Lincoln would be an ideal place to to drive to for the most part. And so this uh, the CSL study on the convention center, the five sites that are under consideration, we're getting ready for the next stage in that, which is a comparative cost analysis. That's going to be so important. We need to get we need to get a, a location identified. We need to get a funding package pulled together. That's going to be easier said than done. I'm sure that's going to be part of this strategic plan, but I think within five years, we need to be looking at how can we make sure we have that asset. And then number two is just making sure that we've got the the West Hay market fully back to to full health and full activity down there. Um, I think uh, we've we've taken leaps and bounds in growing what the Hay market and West Hay market in our downtown can be, but we got to get that 
that that whole area back to its full life and and i i just don't think we're quite there yet we've got folks still working remotely i think as those folks mm. continue to come back so this is post this is pandemic stuff that impacted it largely is yeah i if i I'm think understanding that, that, i saying. think that's the number one yeah. thing that that is still impacting uh not even just west haymarket but other parts of our downtown where we've had some offices move uh we've had some uh offices still remain remain working remote at least part of the time that's changed what it means for say the lunch crowd mm-hmm. or for the uh, post-work dinner and drinks crowd it's just it's changed what what our downtown is and i and i mentioned again madison's experiencing a lot of these same things when mm-hmm. you go there and talk to folks out there uh, they have some of the same questions and concerns but at the same time we're adding more and more downtown residents so i've got retailers yeah. telling me they think uh, they see a very bright future for downtown because they want more people living. You would downtown. think. Yeah. You would think. I mean, it, yeah, you can. You can. With, with as often these buildings are going up that are residential ones in downtown, you would think that market uh, is going to be something that's going to explode soon. Real quick, back to the convention center. I know you were talking about. Well, we know where they are going, and people may think, oh yeah, well, you know, thinking nationally on that, but even like places like Carney, right? <laughs> you know, they're going down the street. They yes. got a nice one right there on, on uh, right off I eighty. Yeah, there at uh, convention center. Look, it's not all the giant shows. There are. It's amazing how esoteric when you get into it. There is a a precast post tension concrete pole association, and I wish I was making that. Sounds, up. That sounds like right? a blast. And that convention is wild. Yeah, and all five hundred of their members need a place to have an, an annual convention every year, right? Um, and so it's even. It's not the giant thousands and thousands of people shows, but we can fill up a calendar. But we do need a facility that is somewhat larger than the existing uh, single roof uh, convention space that we have here, but is smaller than, say, being on the floor of the Pinnacle Bank Arena. They right. don't need something that large, you know, right. but they do need Middle something ground. larger than we have. Middle. I wonder what the breakout groups are like in that convention. I mean, you're already feel it already feels pretty niche as it is, but my goodness, you know, the after lunch groups, we got 15 people in a room, we're really delving in to some of the minutiae there. I bet it's fascinating. I, I would be terrified to find out. Hey. Uh, I want to get a little reaction to you, too. I know the uh, city is talking about a new, essentially, transportation hub on that parking lot uh, that is just north of the city-county building, which I've never been allowed to park in, even though I've wanted to, because I don't have the correct pass. That's another story altogether. Um <laughs> How, how big a deal is this coming coming in here and something like this? And how do you envision this kind of impacting the the city and in, in generally and in your world uh, as well? Well, the, so the chamber uh, supported that grant application. We got, want to give great credit to the city because I know folks there have been working on it. Some of them at least ten years. So this has been a long articulated need, and we finally got approved for a twenty three million dollar grant. Um, so so that is that's exciting. You know, why does that matter? Again, health of our downtown, health of our transportation system citywide, I think is the number one thing. Um, you know, we, we need that asset for folks that, that do need that public transportation, uh, resource. And we can be doing a better job at it than, than we were able to today. And, and folks that have studied this a lot more than I have, and I am certainly not mm-hmm. an expert, uh, continue to say that that hub is one of several things that we need to continue continue to adjust. So I know I know we like to talk about what kind of fuel the buses are using or how busy the buses are, um, routes that they need, times a day that they run, uh, workforce to to staff that with bus drivers. There's a lot of complicated issues, but the biggest nut in all of that is getting that hub set so we can reset on some of those other issues that continue to frustrate because i'm i know there's more to it but i mean uh, it, it sounds like the biggest thing is just is about that 
the bus end of public transport, right? I mean, I know there's more to it, but that's the most consequential thing, it sounds like. Yeah, it's for, for cities our size, this is where we need to be looking. Um, you know, you find some exciting stuff out there about as self-driving vehicles become an option, there are actually cities that are moving towards self-driving buses. Those scare me a little bit right now, but uh, so I want to see someone else uh, uh, prove that out first. that that yeah. works and make sure that that's a, a safe system. But we've got folks that are, are very futuristic oriented. They're thinking about those types of things. Light rail comes up a lot. I, I was just going to say, to be something I've always, about. I've always sort of half tongue in cheek said, I wonder what how a light rail system would do. Not that you know, there's going to be quite a significant investment needed for infrastructure to make something like that happen. But like, I wonder how that would work in Lincoln because where they do that right. It's usually in bigger cities. It's really good. Yeah. I'm talking Minneapolis yeah. and Baltimore are the first two that come to mind for me. Um, but, but yeah, I wonder if that would ever be an option. Here. Well, and I think for a, a city like Lincoln, we roll out small. We, we focus on where people are already densely located and densely trying to get to and from places and then grow it out from there. It doesn't have to be a full citywide deployment immediately. Yeah. Nah. Jason Ball, Lincoln Chamber of Commerce. A lot of things to get to. An exciting time to be here in Lincoln. We've got school starting. We've got a football game coming here in a couple of weeks. That'll bring in some tourism. Yes. And uh, we can't wait. smile about that. The Very, winning season for the Nebraska Cornhuskers now that our radio station has broken the curse. Hopefully, uh, we are definitely taking credit if that happens, for <laughs> sure. It's 826. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. It's 826 on KLIN. Before you hit that drive time, stay alert with Nitro Cold Brew Coffee from Broken Rail Beverage Company. This is 1499.3 KLIN. Waking babies in the North Bottoms and then helping them ace the ACT since the 90s. It's the voice of Nebraska volleyball, John Baylor. Fire up. It's time for the Jack Attack with the voice of Nebraska volleyball about to get busy with a season. We went through this long summer. We went through the spring after we got uh, back-to-back seasons. Uh, it's been a long time without volleyball, but we got rankings out now. We got a red-white game coming up. We got broadcasts. We are talking about welcome to the promised land. Mr. John Baylor, good morning. How are you doing? Great. Confused. I'm trying to figure out what the metric conversion rate would be for your sleep number. It's uh, you can uh, listen. We can we can get you. I think that's a side accessory that you can get in some of the packages. I'll I'll hook you up with that afterwards. How's that sound? First couple nights in Canada, just probably sleep on the floor trying to figure it out. <laughs> I went my I went on my uh, honeymoon to British Columbia, yep. Canada. Uh, it, was nice. a, it was the first time I had been in Canada. I mean, in retrospect, I would have taken a much shorter, cheaper trip for my honeymoon and saved the money for a big trip later, but that's neither Art. here nor there. But uh, uh, the, between the speed limits and the daily forecast, uh, JB, I was, I was very confused. I was very confused with that situation yep. up there. I was like, I looked over at my new wife and I was driving. I was like, I'm going 125 right now, kilometers <laughs> per hour, but I'm going 125. Here at this it point. It sounded like you're so confused you looked over at her and you said, you know, honey, you might have made the wrong choice. <laughs> she may have thought that at the moment. There's, there's that was, uh, may that think crap. that today. <laughs> uh, JB number one in the nation, oh. according to the AVCA, the American Volleyball Coaches Association. The coaches like the Huskers to be number one, despite, a, you know, a decent amount of turnover 
on this roster. Some things changing. Look, the, the, the runner-up season last year, but you know Lawrence Devon's not there anymore. You got some exits from the program as well with transfers. Uh, is this what you expected to see when this came out? Yeah, I did. It was either Nebraska, Texas, or Wisconsin. Wisconsin's reloaded, and they've got Sarah Franklin, who the Wisconsin beat writer is now saying reminds him of Michaela Fecky, and she was the best Ooh. player in state, and and so she just takes over on the left side there with Julia Orzel, and and they got Anna Schmreck, who's still six nine. She's not shrinking anytime soon. She torched the Huskers in the championship match. They got. You know, uh, two great right sides. Jade Demps can play in the back row. They got to replace the libero, and they've got an 18-year-old from Turkey that uh, Kelly Sheffield's really high on. I'm not going to pronounce her name yet, but I'll be on it. Okay, but, uh, first you got time. The Badgers, and then uh, of course the setters the situation. But MJ Hamill doesn't have quite Sydney Hilly's touch, but she's a little bigger, and she's somewhat experienced. She started one match for him, but she's a junior now, so she's been in the program a long time. Anyway. They reloaded. I just thought since they're the defending national champs, they would have gotten it. But, hey, a lot of respect for uh, the Nebraska legacy and all these great players coming back. Well, yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you. What do you, you know, when you got a bunch of the, the coaches casting votes for Nebraska uh, first, and, and obviously you've had success, you know, runner up, runner up last year, very close, and, and uh, the tradition that's there. But what do you, when they look at Nebraska from the outside, what do you think they see that caused so many of them to cast a number one vote there based on what they bring in this year? I think they see a lot of players they were recruiting, and uh, they wish were on their team. Mm. So uh, you know they they see a, a fair amount of change. I mean, they didn't look into this for a long time. I mean, I'm not I'm not accusing any of these coaches of spending late nights trying to assess these teams and try to figure out who you know deserves one, two, three. But you know, there's a, there's a sense that you know beyond Florence Stibbins, uh and Kayla Akana that uh, and Lexi Stun that. There's you know there's there's some losses there, but there are a lot of players who are ready to to come in, but. You know, um, Lindsey Krause, where's she going to play? Is she going to be right side or left side? And how are you going to find room for Whitney Lonstein, who's just tearing it up in, in practice? And there's a brand-new setter, possibly, in Kennedy Orr. So I think you're right. There's some questions. So is, they're just sticking their finger in the wind, but it just it shows the respect for what Nebraska's got right now. Okay, now you got me, like, imagining the head coach of, like, uh, like Idaho. Like, uh, say, ah, what, Nebraska, they sound good. They're usually good, right? Texas, no. uh, they got some good players, I'm sure. They'll be too, right? Yep. Uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, trust me. I mean, while they're having some, you know, red wine, I mean, they're thinking, you know, hey, I'm starving backwards. That sounds good. We'll go <laughs> We'll go with the Huskers, number one. They, they, but they, uh, they know the... They watch the, the Final Four, so they know the returning players, and they, they've seen the recruiting classes and how they're ranked. So, yeah, it's it's and it's also legacy. I mean, I, I, when you see Penn State ranked number 20, that shows you just how far they've slipped in the minds of the coaches. But thankfully, we've got a sport here where it's determined on the court. It's yes. not determined bunch of rankings. Yes, absolutely. John Baylor joined us talking a little bit in Nebraska volleyball. The top-rated team in the Ooh. country. I'm going to keep saying that. Uh, that'd be great if they could just go run the table, go wire to wire, and I could do it all year, but we'll see about that. Red-white scrimmage coming up. Uh, you know, we, this is going to be interesting because you get the first look, really, and I know the spring thing was a little weird with some you know, some old players. Some players aren't there anymore who are a part of that. Um, what kind of clarity, what kind of information uh, are we looking for here? Are you looking forward to see at the red-white scrimmage that's coming up in terms of somehow these new players fit in? Well, it's a final rehearsal, so it's an opportunity for uh, Kennedy Orr to make her claim on that starting center job, and uh, and you've got more outside hitters 
than you have actually positions. So, yeah. I mean, one thing to look for is Kennedy, Kenzie Knuckles. She's been auditioning in the front row, which surprises me. But you know, she's 5'8". She's one of the all-time kill leaders in Indiana high school history. We have a history at Nebraska of turning a back row player into a great front row player as recently as 2017 with Ani Albright. But Ani was 5'10", 5'11". Yeah. Kenzie's 5'8", and we're loaded on the corners. I mean, Allie Batenhorst is fighting for time. She was the number three recruit in the country. And anyway, that just shows you, you know, how, how uh, well Kenzie is thought of in the program. She's one of your captains probably again this year, and she's earned it. She's certainly able to terminate from the back row, so why not give her a try in the front? But it would be the, she would be the shortest front row attacker if she gets much time up there in my memory. JB, you blew my mind with that, even that yeah. concept. I would have never yeah. considered that, ever. And, just because of maybe, size. Maybe it's just, you know, Kenzie is, is helping out as they scrimmage and she's moving to the front row. But I think it's more than that. I think she's being given a long look to see in certain situations, might she be able to help? Because it's tough to adjust to a smaller attacker. Nebraska learns that every year in the first couple rounds. We'll face, especially first round of the NCAA tournament, you face smaller attackers. And you have to adjust. And they can work your arms and, and tool the block. So, you know, Kenzie in huh. a pinch, she, she got a front row kill last year at a big moment to, to win a, a game uh, in the season uh, in a Big Ten match. So, you know, who knows? You know, she might be another uh, Swiss Army mat, uh, knife for Nebraska. Well, you, I mean, you basically answered my next question, but it was going to be, yeah, what is that? Does that is it like bringing the sidearm pitcher in in the seventh hey. inning after they've seen the starter? You know, bringing in Dan Quisenberry to close it out what? after the whole Kent, thing? Is that what that is? Yeah, Kent Ticaldi. I, I yep. exactly correct. She's quiz, yeah. potentially. It just will change of pace because, you know, oh, my goodness, these outside hitters are huge. I mean, Lindsey Krause's 6'2", a legit 6'2". Allie Batenhorst is a legit Six four, and Whitney Lonsing's jumping out of the gym, and she's a legit six two. So, you know, Maddie Kubik's the short one, and she's six two. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a, a lot of height. Eight horse so, is six four. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, legit. Yeah, she's got to watch herself going through doorways. Wow, nice, very good. All right, well, that'll that that will be interesting. Do you know how they're gonna? Do we know anything about like how they're gonna divide the teams up? Are we bringing alumni in, mascots to play, anything like that with this? I think the alums can just, you know, grab some Doritos and watch. I don't think we're going to eat them this year. But there have been years past. But I remember Danny Van Cuso came back and put on a clinic. But uh, we got plenty of players. They got 14. And, and there's just, you know, such uh, close battles going. I think, yeah, you want to use every opportunity to, to watch these kids. But I got the chance to watch them in practice on Friday. It's oh. firing. Uh, they're, uh, they're just uh, – they're really uh, working hard. They the freshmen are bringing tons of energy. I mean, uh, Becca Alex, she's impressive. I mean, this, I mean, I thank goodness, you know, Waverly is sending all their talent. Jeez. Towards the, the volleyball boy, factory. I, 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 I'm sort of understanding why coach apparently just recruits Waverly <laughs> uh, because they are loaded. I mean, this Becca Alex impressive. So, yeah, it's it's going to be fun, but long way to go. And uh, you know, the center position is the most important one. Yep. So, positions there. Yeah, I saw I, I saw Terry Pettit had tweeted out something when the rankings came out that said that the difference between these teams that are bundled at the top is which is going to have the most elite setter play out of it, uh, which I thought was interesting. That's what the uh, kind of the Godfather said about this. That sucker went viral. I tweeted out, "Everyone remain calm." I think I got two two likes. It's hard. It's, uh, you know, you just uh, you know you just, you never know what they're gonna like. I mean, everybody likes what yep. Terry says, but you I, never you never know. It's okay. I Jordan. think 
when I get high single digits, it's, it's basically viral. Uh, you're going to be a social media superstar down the road. I do see that in your future. Eventually, <laughs> the John Baylor TikTok page is going to be blowing up here in 2023. I have a prediction for 23. My problem is every idea that goes through my cranium, I don't immediately put on social see, media. So I, it's a problem. I work. That's I'm a problem. Yeah, yep. you you uh you 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 need to do a little bit more of that. Um, okay, so uh, you look at uh, when you ca- you kind of get a sense of at least what the coach's perception is of of where the hierarchy of teams are. Obviously, mm-hmm. with the top twenty five, how does that? You look now at Nebraska's schedule, and and uh, I see a lot of teams on there on the schedule that were in that top twenty five. So it just kind of confirms, I think, what we were thinking. You know, with the Creightons, with the Kentuckys of the world, and the non conference about uh, kind of what we thought about this schedule. How does it look after you see? that top 25 stanford i mean it's manageable we got wisconsin twice purdue twice purdue i think might be a little overrated in this ranking where are they they're they're uh uh number 13 i think it's probably a little high for them they lost a ton from last year they've lost their top three players so i don't see how they're preseason number 13 but uh and then we played them twice in ohio state twice so uh, we only play minnesota once penn state once and, and illinois once but i think it's manageable i mean they're pre- the the Big Ten schedule could be a little tougher. The, the conference, the non-conference, is just great. You got Stanford and Long Beach State at Creighton at Kentucky. I, yeah, this is this is not it, it's not exceedingly rigorous, and it's it's certainly uh, not uh, lenient. So Nebraska is going to have some challenges. I think it's well put together. Basically, you got some challenges when you put together a schedule because mm-hmm. you want to position yourself for number four, uh, three, two, or one at the end of the season, right? Right. Basically, the RPI because that's what the selection committee chooses you just don't want to be five or lower because then you are traveling for the regional and that's a big deal so what you do is you have to schedule teams that will win ideally in the non-conference this is that will win ideally at least 20 games but probably won't beat you when you play them like illinois has a really tough time scheduling because they're probably not going to win 20 games because of their conference and they have a really good chance of beating. So Illinois is a really Oregon's a tough team, tough team to play in non-conference because again, it's tough for them in their conference to win twenty, and they could they could beat, beat you, you too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, what you're saying is beat Ole Miss, Creighton, Long Beach, Stanford, Kentucky, and then cheer for them the rest of the season. If I'm great, understanding you, great non-conference opponent. Mm-hmm. And and you think why don't we play them twice? Well, you get less value if you play the same team non-conference twice. But they're a team that's going to win 20, probably win their conference, and 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 uh, they can certainly beat you, but they're not going to hurt you even if they do beat you much with your RPI. So those are the type of teams you want to play non-conference. Uh, days away before uh, getting in front of that mic, JB, uh, doing the play-by-play. How are we How are we spending the time prepping? I want to make sure our listeners are getting some quality content. We're doing vocal exercises, pronunciation games. What do we have going on here the next few days? Nonstop, a lot of uh, up and down the octave scale. Yeah, that's good. Uh, la, 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 that kind of thing, yeah. But I don't scare, you know, these angry, speeding drivers near me, at least when we're resting at red lights i roll up my windows when i practice i don't want them to wonder what's happening here is like in my head call a, a fictitious match but uh, yeah it's, it's time to get ready i mean people say it's riding a bike but it takes a while but uh it's 
people say, you know, it's a, it's a job. It's, it's a joy. It's, it's not a lot of work. I'm trying to describe other people doing things. Uh, Fair enough. You do, you do, you do a great job with it though. And we're excited to start hearing you. And, and one, and think about it, JB next week, a deep 15 minute dive into Texas A&M Corpus Christi the entire time, the entire, you be ready for that. I'm going to go deeper on that. I want to know a background bio on every player so i need you to be ready for that no problem lots of syllables in their last names and hey they're a great non-conference opponent because they do really well in their conference they'll probably win at least 20 games and hopefully the huskers can manage them but it's early you never know they got a cool logo too waves on it it's got a real beach vibe to it i like that i might need to get a baseball cap after we beat them those are very nice Water is uh, not after an oil spill. <laughs> it's very blue green, which looks attractive, but that also could be a chemical thing going on there. Now that you mention it, so it's good to know. Uh, all right, JB, we're going to be uh, listening to you. Uh, red white game, then on to the season here. Uh, all of the games for the women's volleyball, women's volleyball, volleyball on B one hundred seven three, and then select games when football allows it here on KLIN as well. So, uh, looking forward to it. The uh, John Cook Nebraska Volleyball Show debuts tonight. Ooh, what are you going to ask him? Central. Corner him. Corner him. I'm, Get him in a hard spot. Do it. Yeah, I'm going Mike Wallace. <laughs> so, it's going to be like 60 minutes tonight. I uh, hope he's ready. Uh, I'm sure he's very nervous. I'm sure he's very worried. Thank you, JB. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Jack. Voice of Nebraska volleyball, John Baylor. He asked the hard questions to his all his clear adversary, John Cook. I mean, yeah, I would call that a I'd call that a tense interview on the way here coming up tonight. Just got Thursday a, night, a lot of Tech Nine questions. Yep. <laughs> Jeez. That's another issue altogether. <laughs> all right, eight fifty five. We'll take a break. Selling kid today with Jack and friends on KLIN. Get today's top news and sports directly to your inbox. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, first, Chris, give me a bunch of traffic stuff. Northbound just south, uh, let's see, this is northbound just south of Warwick Boulevard, a Highway 77 accident, slow go. I-180 issue, southbound into downtown 9th Street, backing up due to an accident. North 84th and Highway 6, Cornhusker Highway accident, south 27th and Old Cheney. Wow, we are picking some pretty prolific intersection areas there for some of the traffic issues this morning, so be careful out there. Uh, A couple things to mention. We would love for you to come to our free For All Ages event, the Break the Curse event, a week from Thursday at Haymarket Park. Food, fun, beverages, family, uh, breaking curses, starting a winning tradition, music, all of that. Uh, we just would like you to RSVP. Let us know you're coming. So go to KLIN.com. You can click on the Facebook link there. RSAP so we can get a sense of numbers. That's number one. Number two, request line Fridays coming up on Friday. We are getting you into the pregame mindset, whether it's Husker volleyball, Husker football, whatever it is, that song that gets you right in the head because we have one week to do it. So it's time to start instilling that in our own minds with that playlist. That's all coming up. Have a great day. What chapter had Wednesday tomorrow? It's 9 o'clock. KLIN Lincoln.